Okay, guys, welcome to episode 21, season two of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. We're here to give a little recap of the game against Atalanta, but pretty much this is going to be a big preview for the game against Liverpool. And we have got three fantastic guests on here tonight. And we're going to start off with the two regulars. First of all, we have King of the Kipax Writer and City Matters Committee uh, member, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Yeah, as I said uh, before, I'm a bit prodded and poked today. Um, had two jabs, two blood tests, and um, um, a sensation test with a nurse sticking a needle in my foot. <laughs> See, I can feel it. But as right. I said on Twitter, still fewer pricks and they'll be on the cop on Sunday. Well, well, when you had when you said you had a sensation test with a nurse, I thought you can take a pill for that, mate. We can take a pill for that. Okay, and those dulcet tones in the background that you heard there—that is your man, the producer of City Fan TV on YouTube, the broadcaster and the writer for Bolt from the Blue. That is our very own Ray. Ray, how are you doing, mate? I'm very, very, very good, mate. We had a good win last weekend, uh, obviously. Well, uh, eventful win. And then we had a quiet week, City did. It's pretty uneventful uh, match uh, at Atlanta, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get on about. I, I just hope we have enough time to talk about that wonderful game uh, between Dynamo Kiev. Uh, sorry, not Dynamo Kiev, Dynamo Zagreb and Shakhtar 3-all. I mean, that must have been the game of the day, that. Surely. Well, we'll try to squeeze that in. But guys, we have another wonderful guest on tonight. We have another king of the Kipax writer and the podcaster and broadcaster for the Forever uh, Blue podcast. We have Emily. Emily, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you so much for inviting me on and thank you for having me. Wow, it's just so great. We're going to have just such a, 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 a multifaceted perspective on this, guys. And as I mentioned just at the beginning of, uh, of our, our intros, uh, we're just going to uh, do a little bit of a recap of Atalanta before we go into the, the meat and potatoes. But, uh, guys, the one thing that confused me a little bit about the Atalanta game was the squad that was put out was unbelievably strong. When you consider, I'm just going to go through the names here. We had Aderson, Cancelo, Otamendi, Fernandinho, Mendy, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, Mares, Gabriel Jesus and Sterling. Now, Emily, when I was listening to the Noisy Neighbours podcast, one of our chief rivals out there, uh, they were saying that, uh, my goodness, there's about half of those players could have been rested easily before the game come against coming up against Liverpool. What did you think about that? See, no, I would be inclined to disagree with that because I kind of feel at the moment that 
City are so inconsistent that you don't really know what to expect from them. And some of the players who normally put in solid performances are going are either going missing or dropping four or five out of ten performances. So we're not seeing the levels of consistency that we're used to. And because of that, I going into a game, I'm not sure what to expect. Even with the big name players, even with a starting eleven like that. I'm kind of umming and ahhing and thinking, right, well, what are we in for today? So, I mean, it really, really was a game of two halves, two completely different halves, and it just highlights the inconsistency there with City at the moment. Typical City, Colin Savage. Does yeah. that take you back? Does that take you back to the days when uh, oh, when things used well, to go pear-shaped? Well, it's a kind of a... <laughs> it's funny, Nick, because when our esteemed chairman said that we've banished... Tip- City, I don't want to hear that that word. There are a lot of City fans who thought, that's going to come back and bite you on the arse, Calderon. And, and sure enough, it did. I mean, it wasn't quite, a, wasn't quite a classic typical City performance, but it was damn near getting there. Um, you know, c- because in mean, the first half, played as well as we've played all season. We were absolutely sparkling. We got a goal early on. Uh, we were all over Atalanta. We seemed to have nothing to fear. And, and then we missed chance after chance. And the second half, it was almost like um, we was of the players who started the first half out who'd never seen a football before, uh, you know, and we did everything we could possible, well, virtually everything we could to mess the game up. So yeah, it was a bit typical city like, not not the worst, but yeah, it was a bit bit typical city like. Ray, you, you've got very strong thoughts about that first half, don't you? <laughs> well, no, I'm just going to say to start with, if uh, Emily must be a, a hard woman to please if she's giving City players 4 out of 10 and 5 out of 10 for some of the performances in previous games. Did you uh, not see the second half in the week? Were well, you not I'll watching? Say, <laughs> that's not, not, not the second half, but you said uh, earlier in the season, I'm thinking, uh, you know, sometimes I've been harsh on players, but, you know, under 5, oh, it's, it's, I, I struggle to, to do that. But look, that first half, we were fantastic overall. Um, but it's it, the one thing that uh, has bugged me for... Since um, since the Centurion season, we are just not clinical. We're not taking chances which we should be taking. Um, and once again, we're seeing opponents have very few shots on goal and scoring. And I think uh, Atlanta did that. With, was it the first shot on target? Bang, it's a goal. And we had so many opportunities in that first half, and we're just not finishing them. And and I've said, you know, if, if you're taking six or seven chances um, to score one goal against lower level opposition, let's say. I said that last week against Southampton and, and in previous weeks. At some point, especially in Europe, you might only get two chances. And if you're not going to stick them both away, you're going to get knocked out. Or you're going to you're going to struggle. And and it's one thing that's haunted us. Um even though we have in the three se- last three seasons where we got knocked out scored enough goals to get through a tie, we've let in too, far too many as well. So we, we we've got this issue. We've just got to be more clinical and I think we, you, it's, it was summed up with that penalty miss from Gabby Jesus, which, quite frankly, was a woefully uh, poor, poorly taken penalty. I think I could take a better penalty than that, but um, we're all liable to say something like that. But, um, Colin, we are possibly in danger of underestimating Atalanta a little bit. They're the highest scorers in Serie A, I'm told. And I'm, I, I have that on, on very, very good authority from Twitter. Uh, well, yes, they are, and, and I think they didn't. They certainly didn't tell us just. I think, but I think we were excellent. Uh, but they came out for the second half looking like they mean it. I, I, I've got a thing that teams will often come out in either the first fifteen minutes of, of one or either or both halves and play like the, the lives depend on it, and then they'll they'll settle down a bit when the initial kind of burst of energy um, kind of runs off. But uh, one of my comments on Twitter was that to see the way Atalanta were running around. They were, they were pressing, they were biting, you know, biting into tackles and, and giving us no time on the ball. I, I said, you know, I don't know what they've had in their tea at half time, but I don't think it was semi-skim milk. Um, so I, I think Gasparini gave them a bit of a blast in at half time. And I think maybe the, you know, the penalty helped because because as often happens with City, when, it, we, when we have a close call against us, it seems to galvanise us a little bit. And it certainly galvanised them and they were unrecognisable. In the second half, though, so were we. Yeah, that manager of theirs, Gasparini, he's no fool at all. He's been a manager of some of the biggest clubs in in, in Europe. But uh, 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. It definitely was a game of two halves. City were, well, pretty majestic in the in the first half, apart from that lack of um, the clinical touch that uh, Ray mentioned. Don't know what happened exactly at the second half, but we knew that uh, one thing was true, and that was that uh, Ederson uh, disappeared and uh, Bravo came on. Now, um, just going over to Emily, um, that was never a sending off, was it? Come on, support me here, support me here. <laughs> uh, I think he was a bit hot-headed coming out the way he did, and he's a little bit naive because he's got to know, coming out like that, he's committed, and for me, it's naive from Bravo. Yeah, you got the replays, and the, the red card did stand, but I don't think he should be doing it. He should be. He should have experience to know better than than doing that. And he's put us in that situation. And I mean, I just all you can do at that point is laugh. And and I did. And I laughed for the next ten minutes because it was <laughs> so comical seeing Kyle Walker in goal and and the save and the drop to the ground and the Mendy encouragement as well. So everything that kind of came after it was just a comedy show and sums up for me what it is what it means to be a Manchester City fan because it kind of go, went straight back to the self-deprecating humour that we all know and love. And it, it was kind of like only City could be in this situation in a Champions League game where Kyle Walker, <laughs> the right back, is in goal and he's actually made a save. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think he was a little bit naive and, and a little bit silly. Some might say he shouldn't have been sent off, but he should know better than that. I'll tell you well, what, I, though, I, uh, uh, just, 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 before, just before Ray comes on, I was wondering who was going to step up, but um, Ray told us, I think it was on a, a couple of pods before last, that um, Kyle is uh, a little bit of, um, what can I say, he's he's a, a guy that comes out uh, full of himself, Ray, doesn't he? And he sprays, he takes a, he takes um, some water out of his water bottle and sprays it in the air and uh, it comes across a little bit like, um, you know, um, uh, Maximus in, yeah, in Gladiator, and and he was, was he was always going to be the, he was going to be he was always going to be the man who stepped up, wasn't he? Yeah, look, he was suggested by the coaching staff as a obviously he's got the pace, so he can in in, in a similar situation to Bravo, uh, he'd have got there uh, well before the uh, the attacker, uh, whereas Bravo at thirty six or thirty seven is a bit slower, and he's got that bravery. Um, and uh, he's he is he has got that gladiator type that look to him as well uh, uh, these days. Um, but, I'll, but I will say I will stick up for Claudio Bravo because all the, when he came out, I, I'm sure he wasn't. It didn't enter his mind that he was a substitute keeper for Edison, and if he got sent off, we'd have nobody uh, to to cover. It should have um, done. It, well, I, uh, it, it's 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 in the heat of the moment. I don't think you can think uh, um, about too many things. Um, and maybe Edison would have got there. Edison's faster. Edison's got more than t- uh, ten years on Claudio Bravo, so Edison uh, may have got there. Edison, look, Edison does it as well. He's done it this season. Uh, yeah. uh, done it We've seen do it loads of times, haven't we? Yeah. So, he did it in the derby last year yeah. and gave and away the penalty. Got, yeah. He gave away a penalty against Southampton last year as well. When we last year we beat them six one, um, he, he did it there as well. So Edison's guilty of it as well. The thing is, when you get away with it, people quickly forget about it. And as a keeper, when you don't get away with it, everybody's on you. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are on your case. I thought he was unlucky, um, but on the other hand, you can turn around and say, look, if that Illich was well clear of the defence, well clear. And he was in effect, it had been a one-on-one. If he'd scored, we'd be 2-1 down. Let's spin it on its head. Yes, um, Bravo got sent off, but he, he he stopped them scoring the goal. That's another way to look at it. And then we had eight minutes to hang on, eight to ten minutes to hang on, or whatever, 15 minutes, including the um, stoppage time. Um, but whatever it was, he denied them a goal, which one-on-one, they had a, you know, you could argue, they had a better chance of scoring one-on-one than um, they had from that free kick, which was a lame free kick, straight down the throat of Kyle Walker, who managed to do an Edison and let it bounce off him before grabbing it again. So it, w- it was it was a dirty um, piece of play from, was it Illich, who left his trailing leg in it. He actually kicked uh, Bravo in the head. Now, maybe I'm, a, I'm you know looking at it through blue tinted specs, but he deliberately left his leg in, he, in effect, deliberately kicking the goalkeeper in the head. 
you know, in, in, in another moment, you could say that was a, a deliberate kick in the head. And maybe he should have been sent off or at least got a yellow card for a simulation because no way was that a, a, a foul from Bravo. You know, no way was it a, a red card offence for me. Yes, you can argue he was naive and he gave the referee a decision to make. But once the referee made his rash decision, uh, I don't think I was ever going to overturn it. But as I said, I'll look at the positive. He took one for the team. And he denied them a very good opportunity of scoring a goal. And we ended up with a point where possibly if he stayed in, in his goal, we might have, um, he might have conceded and we'd, we'd have lost the game 2-1. Now, now, the interesting thing is, can we just pick up a red card? Because the referee got the red card out uh, and it was away, away, away from the goal. Yeah. But I think we'd agree it would, would have been a goal-scoring opportunity. But just, just before we got the penalty in the first half, there was the free kick. For the for the Paul and Sterling, which was deemed to be just outside the area, and um, the referee gave a penalty and gave the yellow card to the uh, Atalanta player. Then he pulled it back outside the area, and we got a free kick. But should he? Was Sterling's not a goal scoring opportunity? Obviously, and should he have got the red out? I said that on Twitter straight away. Straight away, once the referee had, um, once VAR had told the referee it was outside the box, he should have realised. Or someone should have told him that was a denial, denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. Raheem Sterling was away. But you're going to give the foul, and the because to me it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Oh, yeah, yeah, two people was. said two people said it wasn't. Oh, behave! But who were those one or two people? You know, Mr. Magoo and um, um, Ray Charles. No, I'm, <laughs> Steve, I'm not. Stevie Wonder good. and Ray Charles, my fa- my favourite football pundits. The, the, this is just one of the reasons that I've never really taken to the Champions League because the standard of refereeing. I mean, VAR across the board is. <laughs> so contentious, but I just can't get on board with the refereeing. It's just it. Well, it, it seems there seems to be something every single match in the Champions League, like the I, the Aguero incident in the game before. It, it just drives me crazy. But it happens in the league as well. I mean, I don't mind VAR as as long as it's a bit quicker and as long as you get the right result. Now, look, the right you result don't. there was it was a free kick, not a penalty. I agree with that. But then the right result uh, as well was it was a red card offence. Now, I don't know who the VAR officials, the referees. Collectively, it's just not good enough. I don't want to go down the route like American football or other sports where you might have more than two or three officials. I don't know, Colin will know. Was it five officials, seven officials on the pitch or on the side of the pitch, uh, doing their each doing their own different thing? I don't want it, it to be done by consensus, but somehow you need to get better quality referees because that was a simple decision. In the heat at the moment, once again, you can make a mistake, but it looked like a simple decision. Once you've, you've taken it outside the box, you've got to give that red card. Let's talk, Emily, about Gabriel de Jesus. Now, we had a big uh, debate, uh, well, over a couple of pods, about whether this guy can eventually step up and um, replace uh, uh, Sergio, and I think the, the, the consensus is no, but... Um, that was um, it was a strange performance from uh, uh, Gabby Emily because he did all of the things that um, you expect him to do. He fought hard. He, he was really, really uh, worked hard in the support play. Terrible penalty, and also missed a few golden opportunities too. Yeah, and again, it goes back to the this inconsistency that I'm, I'm talking about because. You know, he was he was showing flashes of what we know that he's so capable of doing, and flashes of his brilliance and um, like his pace and turn. But the penalty, it, there's just no excuse in that whatsoever. It was just, I, I, you know, it put a blindfold on me, and I'd probably do a better job. And I know that sounds harsh, but you can't really defend that, can you? It was just woeful dragging it that far wide. Um, there's, let's get one thing completely clear. There'll be no replacing Aguero because there's nobody out there to replace him. And I don't really want to think about the day that he leaves because I really do worry about who we do get in um, and introduce into City when he does leave. But there's nobody of that standard for me. And Jesus is, is not there. He's an exciting promising player but he's just not reached it the potential for me and I, I do wonder if he'll ever quite get there he's really good in the box and he, like I say he's you know he's, he's he's got good vision but he's still got a lot to prove for me uh, <clears throat> Colin Savage I was just listening to one of the BBC pods today and they were basically saying time's up for Gabby J time next season for City to bring in Harry Kane <laughs> 
And I was thinking, no. uh, I, I think there would be a few City fans, and I think you are three of them, who might have something to say about that, Colin. What do you think? I've talked about Gabby J before. He's not a replacement for Aguero. He's a different sort of player, but but he does bring something different. Uh, and I've said this, you know, I've said this loads of times. It's almost getting boring. He he will he gives us more presence in the pressing game. He, he's much more adept at the game Pep wants to play. So uh, again, you know, I've, I've used this example loads of times. That that Kevin De Bruyne goal in the um, cup final. Aguero wouldn't be winning the ball in that situation. But that's not to say Gabi Joe is a better player than Aguero. Aguero is irreplaceable, as Emily said. He's, he's unique. I don't, think he get, I don't think he even gets the credit he deserves from, uh, well, he, he obviously does from City fans, but not necessarily from football fans. So um, you, you, you can't, in many ways, you can't replace Aguero. Coming on to Harry Kane. It's an interesting one, that, because originally I, I, I took the view that Harry Kane was actually a much better footballer than, than perhaps people give him credit for. So, so, so what I mean by that is he's not just a, a guy who gets on the end of balls into the box. He actually can play a little bit of football. He, you know, he can pass a ball, he, he can drop back. But I think the thing that would stop um, stop us buying him, uh, and I say that would be, that that in some ways um, makes him a good fit. But the thing that would, would I think, count against him, is I don't think he's that mobile. The thing for me about Harry Kane is he's, what, 26 years old? Um, I think Sergio will be here for at least um, next season, at the minimum. So if we got Harry Kane in, in a year and a half's time, he'd be, what, 28 years old? And it still costs us 200 million quid uh, because there's no way Levy's going to let him walk away. And obviously he loves Spurs. Now if Spurs are uh, a mid-table for the next two seasons, maybe that's the, it's at that point that Harry Kane says, Enough's enough. He does a Robbie Van Persie. He leaves the bottling plants of North London and comes up to um, the glorified North Northwest. Uh, comes up to Manchester to actually win something before his career peters out. But Levy's not going to let him go for less than two hundred million quid, um, and I don't think we'd pay that. So that's I think with the issue, and he's not the right age for us, regardless of how hard he works. And we all know he doesn't pass to Raheem when when there's a tapping, so that would worry me as well. There's got to be somebody else out there. I think you've asked me this question before. I can't tell you who else is out there. And going on to Gabby J, I, I, I've said it since he had a barren spell and he was, uh, went through a period of unhappiness without his family and friends. Um, and I looked at him um, last season especially and I just thought, he's not going to make it at City. He's not going to make it as a, as a, a main striker at City. Maybe out on the left, but certainly not up front. That there, there's an extent to which th- this uh, particular result, Emily, didn't matter that much. I mean, people were saying that even with a loss, the the, the this particular group is is uh, sewn up pretty much. Well, you know, despite the whole comedy of errors and despite how ridic- ridiculous everything looked, it was a one-one draw. We're on ten points. There's nothing to worry about in this particular group, uh, Emily. Is there? No, and I think that's why we could all kind of, when it all descended into chaos, we could all kind of sit back and, and maybe not shrug our shoulders, but have a good chuckle and just watch it all unfold. And, and that is certainly what happened with us. You know, we were just laughing our heads off. <laughs> we just couldn't believe the certain circumstances going on. With like, we, we did really well, actually, to protect Kyle Walker, you know, by kind of whittling the game down. Um, fair play for that. But I think everybody was kind of a feel that that's just typical City, but it's typical City to put in that kind of second half performance and with all the calamity that went with it, knowing that we've got Liverpool away on Sunday. So everybody was kind of thinking, well, you know, ideal prep really going into that game. So uh, that that was that was the biggest worry coming out of the game, and obviously the Edison injury as well. Now, Ray, there's an argument to say that um, Kyle Walker has been man of the match in the last three games with goals and assists. And don't forget our episode called Kyle Skywalker, where he bicycle kicked the ball off the line. Um, he is, he's got to be a shoe in for, uh, the, the lineup against Liverpool. Surely, surely. Surely. Well, look, he, surely he should have been a shoe in for the lineup for England. And, uh, Gary Southgate had a bit of a mare, uh, not putting him between sticks for England. And I mean, you know, he's far better than Pickford. Eating and pork, um, but in all seriousness, uh, he, he you know, you've got to, you've got to include Kyle. I think he's a warrior. He's shown that, you know, um, 
occasionally he will have some dopey moments. But for me, he, he's the kind of guy that you want in in a battle, and I think it will be a battle and a tough tough game. And I and I hope and I think he will. He'll have his head really switched on uh, for the Liverpool game because he's. I mean, he's only been here a couple of seasons. He's a, but he's a senior player now. He's a senior player. He's old enough, um, played enough games at, at a good level that he should feel that he, he it's, it's up to him. You know, we need leaders all over the pitch, especially since Vinny's gone. And it's up to people like Kyle and, and, and Kevin and others to drag the team through. Are you suggesting uh, that uh, Kyle is now a, a leader in the dressing room in the same way that Fabian Delft was with the basics of football? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure. I just think on the on the pitch, he he'll give it everything, and I just I've, I've got this feeling. I mean, it's only a feeling, um, you know. Um, it, it, I just got this feeling that he'll up his game, you know, because we need people to up their games. And I think Kyle is that sort of individual that can, uh, you know, maybe all we need him to do is up his game for 95 minutes, full focus, full concentration, giving it everything. Uh, and I think he'll do that. I, I don't think he's going to let us die. And I just got this. Uh, you know, good feeling about his performance on uh, Sunday, and I expect him to start on Sunday. Whether it's in a uh, three at the back, whether we play three five two, four three three, or whatever we play, I expect him to start. Well, Colin Savage, uh, despite the the comedy of it all, it was a one one draw. We're now on ten points. That group is pretty much sewn up, as Emily uh, suggested. And uh, what I think I would like to do next is just to um, have a little debate among um, among us about who should start against uh, Liverpool uh, in the next game. I was very interested to um, to watch um, Ray's uh, YouTube channel where they um, picked out a combined City and uh, Liverpool eleven, and it was pretty much a Derson in goal, the Liverpool four at the back, the City three in midfield, and then. Um, two out of the city, uh, three up front. Um, how do you think we should line up against Liverpool? Now, I've argued that um, Kyle Walker should definitely be there on the right. Now, we're, we're, we're not going to do this, um, you know, number by number. We're just going to ask um, each of you just to say uh, one or two players that you think have got to be in that starting 11. We'll start off with you, Em. Um, I completely agree with Walker um, because I just think I remember back to the Etihad last year and obviously I can't go on and bemoan about Vincent Company not being there but I remember seeing Vincent on the pitch that night really galvanising the players and you know like proper go like like he did every every game when he played like you know come on you know kind of thing and and we just lack that completely on the pitch and. I think Walker does have a bit more influence than people might think. So for me, he has to start. Um, Sterling for me is Sterling is key. Um, he has to start for me, and his performance will will be will be key to how City play. And the interesting thing for me as well is that I would like to see Fernandinho back in his natural position oh, in yeah. defensive midfield. Oh yes, without without a doubt, but then it's who you play at the back because I, I don't really want to be too harsh on Otamendi, but he does scare me. Um, mm-hmm. He just gives me cause for concern. And it's it's what we do then if we play a back four. Do we play Otamendi with Stones and Mendy on the left? Well, Emily, we do, we, we, we do have that other guy uh, called John Stones who's, got, who's quite adept at kicking balls off the line with 11 millimetres uh, to go. I mean, maybe he, he would be a, a good choice, huh? Well, yeah, Otamendi. Well, I'm saying if we go with Otamendi and Stones at the back, but I'm, what I'm saying is is that I'm not overly keen on Otamendi because he just fills me a little bit with fear. Um, he's just a bit rash and hot-headed, and I have been a fan of him in the past, but in this kind of a game where we know it's going to be really full of fire and passion... Um, is is it worth putting Ferner at the back with Stones or because I do want to see Fernand, Fernandinho in his natural role, like I said, but I I've just got a bit of concern who's who's at the back. So uh, Fernandinho, yeah, it's 
I'd like to see him there, but I think Pep will play him in, in defence. It's it's funny, Colin, isn't it? Because there's what you want to see and there's what you know that Guardiola will not do, isn't it? Because I mean I can I can I can tell you I could give you an eleven players right now that I think that a lot of uh, City fans would agree with, but you just you just know that Pep's not gonna do it. He's gonna spring one of those uh, Jack in the box surprises again, isn't he? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm. Mean, I'm just trying to think what my lineup would be, and I think um, Aguero, Sterling, KDB have got to be in there. Fernandinho's got to be in there somewhere. Mendy's probably not really set the world on fire, but looking a bit better recently. So, so maybe uh, he's the left back. Um, but maybe we go with the more defensive-minded Cancelo in that position. It depends. You know what, what Pep's going to do, and, and Klopp said this the other day. He said, "You know, when when the um, the middle of the field gets narrow, you've got to use your fullback." So, so, so we know that fullbacks are key to both teams, and, and particularly Liverpool. And um, so you've got to find a way of stopping them. So, how do you do that? Uh, well, one way to do that is to keep them field, which, which is probably why um, I'd sort of thought maybe Mares will start, but maybe Bernardo will start on the wing, which is not his best position. But he is very, um, he's very mobile. He'll put himself about. He'll put um, uh, who's on that left side, left side, uh, Robertson, under a lot of pressure, um, uh, and we know he'll track back. So uh, I, I think Bernardo, Aguero, and Sterling will be the starting three. Uh, in terms of defence, I, I, I tend to, I sort of agree with Emily that Otamendi, can you can you afford to risk him? I think Stones will start. Um, I just don't know. Do we do we go? With, can, you see, if you trust if you trust Otto, Otto Mendy, um then I, I think you may play um, Fernandinho and Gundogan as a double pivot, or, or, or else Fernandinho will play at the back instead of Otamendi, but he'll step mm. forward into midfield a lot of the time. The trouble is, I don't think you can really do that about, against Liverpool, who've got a very prolific front three. But but maybe Fernandinho, who who tends to play behind the front two, doesn't he? Um, so, so I, I've talked myself into saying Fernandinho will start nominally in the back line alongside Stones, but but he'll have the primaries and uh, cancelling out Firmino. I've got a listener question for Ray. Ray, here we go. This is your first, I think it's your first ever listener question from JRaz33. And he says, uh, Ray, there's been a lot of reports that the way to beat Liverpool is to pin back their fullbacks. So the question is, Ray, how exactly do you pin back Liverpool's fullbacks? Well, I think we did it last um, last season at Anfield, where we had Mares on the right playing a quite defensive role, and Mendy threatening Robertson um, on on our, on our left uh, by his uh, with his pace and his power. And I think that just put the the frighteners on them. And by having a negative setup, we had a, a pretty negative setup um, last season at Anfield, and I think the idea was we, we, we don't lose and we might win, but we don't lose. And I don't think Liverpool had much of a, uh, a sniff uh, at Anfield. And I just think that's that's the only way we can do it again. Uh, play negative, uh, negative setup. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you offered me a draw now, I'd take it. And I'm sh- I think Pep would, you know, deep down, he'd be the same. And Klopp deep down would be the same. Neither one to lose this game. It's, it's a big deal psychologically if you lose this game. And I think both of them would take a draw. I would. Um, I'd take a draw all day long. Emily, would you play Gundogan in this game? There's been a lot of um, praise for Gundogan, the way that he recycles the ball and he doesn't lose possession. The other opinion, of course, is that if you remember the game against Liverpool uh, last season, we had Bernardo Silva in the centre. It's something that Pep doesn't like to do, but he's a scrapper. And uh, you saw that he was giving a whole bunch of grief to much taller players like Van Dijk. Um, what would you? What, who would your central three be? Uh, presuming, of course, that you're going to go with uh, KDB as one of them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Bundawan. I think he is such an intelligent player, and some of the balls that he pings around as well, and the way he controls it like that. I think you have to really know football to actually appreciate him because he is such a fall guy for so many City fans and I find it so difficult to understand why that is. He does seem to be a little bit of a scapegoat and I've never really got my head around why that is. But 
we need, make no mistake, that protection in front of the defence. I mean, with Bravo as well, without being disrespectful, we do need that protection. And I just think that Gundogan is so clever with the way he is. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Fernandinho as well. But if Fern is going to play in that in, in the back four, then we've got to play Gundogan in there, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and I would like to see Bernardo in the middle because I think he does play better. But Bernardo hasn't been himself this season. And I love the guy to bits. And his form has been slightly worrying. But we know that he will rally. He will run. And like Colin said before, he'll track back. He runs for days. He's like Forrest Gump. So we know that we can kind of rely on him for his effort. And, you know, we just gotta, we just gotta see what happens. But yeah, it's, for me, it's when we, we lose the balls and, and we just seem to be getting dispossessed so easily and giving balls away so easily. So if we do that at Anfield on Sunday, I'll, I'll be terrified. Ray, any, any argument for Mares to start in this game? Um, well, Pep, Pep chose him last season. Um, and he's been, you know, it's been between Bernardo and Mares for that spot on the right throughout the season. Basically, he's been rotating the two of them. Um, I think if Mares had sparkled in the, in his last couple of games, then I'd have been uh, pushing for him to start as, uh, um, on Sunday. But after a good start of the season, and it may be just because he's not been playing enough, he's been rotated. That he's, I think he's dropped off a bit. Like a lot of the players, they've dropped off a little bit. Um, but I just like Bernard. I, I just like Bernardo's energy, and um, he's he, he's a bit impish, and I, I like he, I like I like his his cheekiness uh, just as a player. But I just think that energy, that ability to to track back and chase and work hard. Even though Mares has brought that to his game, he's brought that to his game. For we saw it in the Afcon as well. He brought it to Algeria as well, playing a more reserved role for them, um, and he's done it better at City. He's, he's tackling. And he's, he's getting there a bit more and putting some more effort in. I'd still go with Bernardo. Colin Savage, uh, controversial question. Are Liverpool mentally stronger than Manchester City at this point in the season? Um, no, I don't think they are particularly. I can see why you asked that question, but I think we're mentally mentally strong as well. But our, our problem has not has been not finishing. We've been out of sight um, at, at half-time, as, as we've said before with games. Uh, and sometimes we've been lucky, uh, and sometimes we've perhaps been a, a bit a bit unlucky. But um, I still think we've got a very strong mentality. Uh, maybe it's not quite as strong as um, it has been in the last couple of seasons, but it's still there. And we're still, you know, down to ten men. You know, you've got Carl Walker champing at the bit to get on in his Cradio Bravo's goalkeeping jersey, and there's still a fabulous team spirit there. I think, and. Um, you know, you've got to show some mental strength to be to be up there at the top. So I don't think um, I, I don't think well, certainly not in the last um, couple of seasons. But you know, we are the we are probably um, uh, last was showing it as well. We are probably the two teams with the most uh, mentally adept players um, in the league, aren't we? And, and um, I, I don't think Liverpool are better than us in that respect. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've come from you know they've, they've won tough games, but you, you know you've got to. A question here for for Emily. Emily, uh, one uh, casting my eye across Twitter, um, I have seen a little bit of a debate about whether it should be Mendy or Angelino to start. Now, the reason for that is that although you get a bigger physical presence with Mendy, um, Angelino has shown in his last few games that he's getting the getting the crosses in, and uh, obviously uh, Mendy hasn't quite got back up to speed with those kind of crosses that he used to put in for us in his first 11 performances and also when he used to play for Monaco. Is there any argument about who should start in that left-back berth? Just before I answer that, just to go back to what Colin was talking about then, about what you mentioned about the mental strength, I personally think, as it stands right now, the main difference between Liverpool and City is that Liverpool just want it more. I think because of what happened last season and how far and how close they got to winning it, that really, really cut deep for them. And that's not disappeared. And they've got that feeling in them 
So I think the, the main difference is that they felt really sore after that and they really, really, really want it. And I do think that at times we have looked quite complacent. And I do think that at times when you're looking at how slow and pedestrianised in a couple of games this season, for example, Wolves, um, I've looked and questioned certain players' desire and I thought, well, how much do you actually want it? But at the moment, that's the main difference for me. All could change and, you know, we could go on a crazy run like last season and we love coming from behind anyway. We know we can do it and I've got full faith and I'll never say never until mathematically impossible. But for me, that's the main difference. But for, for me, Mendy uh, over uh, Angelino. Sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. It, it, it's just the the question got split up a little bit by the silence. But um, sorry, um, Colin. Yeah, Colin, I, were you gonna, you're going to jump in there. I was going to say that um, you know the, the different the different of games to question how much we have wanted it. Well, I tell you what. How about if we? It, I, I think you know. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of little things can build up and affect. You know, players aren't immune. To the same kind of mental that we face as you know, non-famous, non-millionaire individuals. I think there's a lot, lot, lot of little things that can build up and affect your belief and confidence. Uh, and Liverpool haven't had to face that. You know, they're, they're winning those games. There was a debate the other day about, is momentum important in, in football? Uh, and there was a oh, study that said, actually, it wasn't. It was, it was really a, a, a bit of a state of mind that it was important. But, but you, could, you could understand why, you can sort of understand why a team that's playing well um, you know, feels it invulnerable like we did last season. And that's, that's everything seems to be going against. Might might get a little bit downhearted. I don't feel like everything is going against though. You know, I, I thought the Southampton game we did really well to come from behind and and, and win. I I don't like this this kind of poor me mentality because we just got to get on with it, haven't we? Whatever hand we dealt with, we just have to get on with it and and put. Our, our best performance out there so you know I've just yeah at times I have questioned the desire but I know what we're capable of doing I know the players are capable of performing and it's only November so there's plenty of, of time left to turn it around it's only six points at the moment well guys I'll tell you what how, how, how about we do this one um if we, if we could just go to Ray for the um the Mendy versus Angelino thing and then and then we'll come sorry then, 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 then we'll come back to Emily on that one okay yeah, Mendy versus Angelino. I think it's uh, Mendy all day long. I my worry for Angelino is he, he's put in a couple of decent performances recently. But my worry is if he has one setback, if he makes one bad pass and it costs us a goal or he gets skinned, um, I think he'll rev- he he'll lose a little bit of confidence. We saw against West Ham in the it was a preseason game. But he got left on his backside, backside a couple of times by their uh, their right wing. Was it Fredericks uh, or Phillips? I can't remember his name now. But he, he had lightning pace and he caused uh, Angelina a whole host of problems. Angelina conceded one penalty. In fact, he, he really conceded two. The referee just didn't give one, which was looked like a blatant penalty. And it was a blatant penalty. So I, I worry uh, about him for that. I don't think Mendy will... Let that affect him uh, if he makes a mistake. Uh, and I just think he's stronger, probably mentally. And he's played uh, games at a much higher level than Angelino. Uh, he's, I think he's still got more pace. I'm not worried about his crossing, actually, for the game against Liverpool, simply because he didn't have to do it last year. And we're not, you know, we've got midget in the box anyway. So uh, if Sergio Guerra is playing, I'm not worried about the crosses because they're a waste of time, uh, pretty much. We had, was it 57 crosses against Southampton? Um, um, so I'd go for Mendy all day long. Uh, Emily, um, Colin has described Mendy as um, lumbering. I think was the phrase that he used when he saw him in the, on the left. Where, where, where do you stand on the um, on the Angelino um, Mendy debate for this game? Yeah, I wouldn't I, play either. I, yeah, sorry. Oh, was that to Colin? Or to that, that, that's to you, Emily. Yeah, I thought so. Sorry. Um, I agree completely with Ray. I would go with Mendy um, all day long. Yeah, and I I kind of see what, what Colin means with that description as well because he, he it's when you look at him, it's kind of like unorthodox that he has got the pace that he's got for the build that he has. Um, but I, I would go with him all day long. Angelino maybe would just worry me because I haven't seen enough of him and I think Mendy offers us a bit more experience um, and, and a little bit more solid as well. 
Colin, you're going to stand by that, aren't you, about the lumbering thing. But um, where would you go on the Mendy-Angelino debate? Mendy against Salah. Is that, uh, uh, that doesn't fill me with confidence. I, I would be very tempted to put Can- Cancelo in there. On, on the left-hand side? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Defend that, Colin. Well, defend is the word because I, I, I don't fancy <laughs> Mendy. You know, you, you look at that um, Atalanta goal on, on Wednesday night and um, the, the, ball came, the, the goal came from a cross from the left-hand side and Mendy was nowhere to be seen. Uh, and Arthur Mendy was left uh, marking that winger, gave him far too much space inside, uh, in front of him, uh, and he was able to get a, a fairly comfortable cross, pinpoint cross in. Now, where was Mendy? You know, Mendy wasn't there. And, and if, you, if you're worried about the, the Liverpool fullbacks, then you've got to have someone in there who is going to be there when the, when the fullback arrives, you know, at the edge of the area. And I don't, I'm, I'm not confident enough about Angela. Uh, which is why I would play Can- Cancelo. Cancelo. That's a very, very I'm, interesting. I'm not sure Cancelo's a very good defender either. <laughs> That's a very interesting choice. I mean, is Cancelo any better at left back, uh, Emily, than Danilo was at left back? Again, I haven't really seen enough of him to be convinced yet. So I've got to go with Can. And again, really, I've not seen enough of Mendy because he's been in and out with injuries. So I've got to go with what I think is is the best option and what I what I know is is kind of Mendy from the little bits and bobs that we've seen of him because Angelino I've not seen enough of and Cancelo on the left as well doesn't really convince me so I'm going to still stick with Mendy. Well I tell you what guys we've done um, a sterling job of uh, and that's a good word a sterling job of um, just um, assessing the various uh, possibilities here we should probably wind it up or be looking to wind it up but um, I'm not going to ask you guys for anything as silly as a score prediction, because you just, I mean, you just end up looking like a fool, don't you, whenever you make an actual score prediction. But what we could do is um, perhaps predict a result in terms of a win, a draw, a loss, a score draw, etc. That kind of thing. Ray, what what would you, you've got to put your house on this. What would you, what would you think? 1-1. One, one. Okay, well, that's very clear. Oh, he's gone with the score? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's gone with the score. Colin Savage, what would you think? Uh, I, I tend to go with Ray, but I'll, I'll, I'll say a score draw. Okay. Because I'll, I'll keep to my brief. I'm going to... But, uh, you know, City, City are often at their best when they've uh, got their backs to the wall, aren't they? So who knows? I'll tell you what, Emily, here's my... my I'm going to... It's not a very good prediction, but have you ever noticed that City lose when they're expected to win? And they win when they're expected to lose. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go for a sneaky, filthy one-nil win for Man City. How about you? Do you know it, it's it's comparative, and it's not because obviously it's not in the same league. But what it reminds me of a little bit of when um, I went to the DW, we played Wigan in the then Worthington Cup midweek, and we got knocked out of the Worthington Cup, of course, by Wigan. And then we had United at Main Road at the weekend and everybody wrote us off. Oh, there's no chance. We're not going to do it. And then obviously that was the derby where uh, Gary Neville fed the goat and we won 3-1. So it just goes to show you that, again, with City, you've got to kind of expect the unexpected. And the the Liverpool fans, I've seen a couple of interviews with with a couple of the podcasters and stuff today and they're like, the confidence is kind of bordering on arrogance going into the game. They are so, so confident. And this Edison news is just, it seems to have skyrocketed their confidence. And I just don't really think that's a good look. I think you've always got to wear on the side of caution, no matter what your circumstances are. I would be jumping through hoops if it was a score draw. I, yeah. I would be over the moon with a score draw. But obviously, if it was a win, I'd be in, in the stratosphere. That Edison, <laughs> just that Edison news. As, mm. as tips some of um, those Liverpool fans over the edge, and yeah. I'm sure so, they're, they're wetting themselves. You know, um, mm. you know they, they're going to wake up in a puddle in in the morning uh, because they're so excited. You know, they, they were look. They've already been saying all season that they're fantastic and they're wonderful, and City are rubbish and we're, we're cheats and all this and all that. And they are already expecting to win. They were already expecting to win. I've seen stuff on social media where they're going to embarrass us, they're going to slap us around. 
Um, and they're going to take apart our defence, what defence, and everything else. And and then the Edison in, 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 um, news has just uh, left them. Um, I, I can't describe the image that's in my head, uh, but it's a messy one. And so <laughs> I know what you're going for there. <laughs> it's a sci-fi gif. Go and look at the sci-fi gif if you want. Yeah. But um, so you know, and, and it, it would just it would be typical City after that second half performance. Atalanta after the first half performance where we we thought yes we've got this it would be typical City to pull something out of the bag uh, and and I hope we do and actually speaking to fans of other clubs uh, this week they hope we do as well. It's very interesting, yeah. Colin and uh, Emily both, isn't it? Because they talk about this much vaunted uh, Liverpool defence and how City are just a catastrophe. When you look at the league table. Liverpool have conceded 10, City have conceded 9, so there's not that much of a difference. But, um, Colin, I mean, they've got the best goalkeeper in the world. They've got the best well, centre-back in the world. And I, I noticed they've, added a, they've, they've, yeah, added, they've added a new one now. They've got the best defensive midfielder in the world in Fabinho. So this should really be a piece of cake, shouldn't it? Oh, of course. Yes, of course it should. <laughs> well, listen, guys, it's been absolutely lovely to have you on. I, I, I'm going to avoid the mistake that I did in my last pod where I dragged the guys on for like nearly two hours. But I'm just going to um, uh, just wind it up here and um, and uh, just uh, offer a bit of hope to everybody. City can do it when you least expect them to do it. And they don't do it when you also least expect them uh, not to do it. But we're just going to um, finish up here and I uh, hope you enjoyed that little podlet, guys. And I hope that um, it uh, you know provides a little bit of encouragement, inspiration for the game against Liverpool at the weekend. Let's just um, say cheerio and thank you to our guests. First of all, Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure, as always. And also, Ray. Ray, thank you so much for uh, coming on and... Uh, just uh, giving us your views on what this potentially uh, momentous weekend is going to bring. Oh, thank you very much, Michael. And it's nice to have uh, another guest on of uh, female persuasion. Oh, my goodness. Week. That's made such a big difference. And and thank you so much. We've got the king of the Kipax writer number two. We have had Emily on. Thank you so much, Emily. Oh, thank you so much, guys, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I could have gone on and chatted for ages with you guys as well, because I've really enjoyed it. And I do think we could maybe pull something out of the bag. Yeah, guys. Well, let's hope that we'll have Emily on again in the future. If it doesn't um, bother Ian Cheeseman too much, we're not going to poach. We're not going to poach her, but we might invite her on again. So, guys, that's your little... Uh, Liverpool review and the little uh, summary of what went on against Atalanta. So we're, we'll leave it here for now and we'll say as always, guys, thanks for listening and uh, have one on us and up the blues. <laughs>